What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Bill's Talk with Matt Perino. Uh, we are just a couple days out from the draft. It is Tuesday morning, and I am joined by a very special guest, a guy that you know nobody in this, in this business, in this region, I respect more, Mark Gaughan um, from the Buffalo News. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's great to be here, Matt. I'm, uh, I'm pleased, thrilled uh, you invited me. Yeah, so um, we were in uh, the Combine. It feels like a year ago now <laughs> with everything going on in the world. Uh, right now, just sitting in the media room talking about all these different options. And as you've, I guess I want to start with, you know, going into this draft, I think what Brandon Bean did in free agency is really set himself up to truly go best player available. I mean, everybody's talking about cornerback, edge rusher, running back. I don't really think they need per se any one of those things. So is there an area where you're like, man, I would like a top 100 player on this roster at a certain position? Well, I totally agree with your assessment, and that has been Bean's M.O., uh, like to methodically fill holes, even before free agency starts every year now. He's like nails somebody down. It's like the musical chairs, and there's veterans who are want to get a spot before the music starts, you know what I mean? And he signs somebody. So to an- directly answer your question, I would say I, I – what receiver? Okay, so that's my uh, – if, if I'm drafting, uh, uh, I'd like to see – I think there's going to be a receiver at 54 who I think can immediately play. Now, not immediately. I don't need him to, obviously, to immediately start because they got three starters. Um, but I would like to see a fourth receiver who can be an immediate impact player to this offense. Uh, the offense it need, has made a huge leap forward with Stefan Diggs, but really it needs more, in my view. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that would be my pick if the right one is there. Obviously, uh, you know, when be a, you know we can go through the needs, there aren't a lot of glaring needs. I mean, running back is the glaring need, in my view. I mean, that is the, the it is. Uh, uh, you know, Bean has avoided filling that spot, mm-hmm. and they got to replace Frank Gore or they, somebody. They need a body. I mean, they need somebody, and it's obvious they have some people targeted they like. Now, this draft is deep. You could make a case that you could wait till the fourth or fifth round to get a uh, get a running back. Um, you know, or you it could go earlier, but uh, so but there you got to believe. Let's you know, I mean, they're taking a running back somewhere in the first five range. Right. So my contention has been um, that the top three backs, depending on how you slice it up, because the more you dive into draft, uh, you know, the internet draft world, you're going to find people kind of ranking these top five, six backs a little bit differently. And I think that some people have Cam Akers maybe at that three spot. Some people have Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins a little bit higher. But I think in some shape or form, the top three guys on the board are going to be gone at 54. I agree. Like, so in that scenario, do you think the value is high enough to go running back at 54 if the right guy is there, number one? And number two, if you look at, historically speaking, just immediate past, the last five years, only one time has a team gone running back in the top three rounds in two straight years, and that was New England, actually, when they went Michelle, and then the next year, uh, I think it was last year, they took it back in the third round. So for Brandon Bean, who's only in his four drafts ever drafted a running back in the top five rounds once, and that was Christian McCaffrey, 
Do you think it would be just crazy for him to go running back at 54? I mean, yes. Uh, now, I mean, like if, if the no running backs get take, you know, if they, if all the, if, uh, you know, these guys fall and they absolutely love, you know, JK Dobbins, uh, you know, okay. But that's not going to happen. I agree with you uh, that, you know, there's going to be, I, I think three backs taken in the top 50. So yes, I agree that I don't think running back is the play at 54. They just for, uh, you know, as you kind of said and intimated, they just invested a third in Singletary. Mm -hmm. I mean, are they, if they draft a running back 54, that guy is supplanting some Singletary, you know, you know, I mean, he, uh, uh, I don't see it. Not need, no need to. I I, I, I love Singletary. So um, I don't, I, I, again, I don't see them taking a running back who's going to come in with credentials, quote unquote, bigger than Singletary's, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So, uh, and no need for that. And there's good running backs that can be had in the third, in the fourth round. And you mentioned Frank Gore. And I think that's also an interesting side topic here in that, like the archetype of a player at the position. And so Frank Gore got, all of the run last year, and he is a very specific flavor of running back. But then you look yeah. at the, around the league, uh, some of these teams having success, you look to San Francisco where they had that kind of three-headed monster with Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and then the upstart, Raheem Mostert. None of those guys really fit into one specific mold. They're all kind of multidimensional. Mm-hmm. So do you think that they need to go? Like I know there's a lot of uh, action right now uh, around Leonard Fournette, but I don't necessarily think they need to go one specific way to fill this second role I agree with that uh, I agree with that um, so uh, although you know I, I mean in a perfect world a young Frank Gore would be you know I mean, yes. great. okay <laughs> uh, uh, you know you want a guy who, who's good on inside zone can run gap scheme patient and you know maybe bring a little more heft than um, than Devin uh, between the tackles, that would be great. Um, but uh, they could make it work with a guy who is a playmaker, who injects more speed. I agree with that too. And, you know, I don't think Devin is, um, you know, he could play, he could, you know, you could give him the ball on, on third and two, mm-hmm. um, second and three. I mean, I, I, I kind of like to have a guy with a little more heft who can, you know, move those chains on second and two, if you're running, if you decide you're running the ball or third and one, third and two, but Devin can, you know, Devin can, can handle those carries. So um, it's kind of a waffling answer. Uh, If they, (laughs) if they have a perfect guy who's a between the tackles pounder at the right value, great. But um, if uh, they're in, let's say the way they draft balls and it's the fourth or fifth round and the best value back, is similar to Singletary, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Mm-hmm. So you look at edge rusher, and I, I checked out your mailbag the other day, and one of the things that you said was you don't think the Bills should go edge rusher in the second round. And I think it's interesting because the more you dive into kind of the collection of talent that might be there, um, and we can talk about this first, actually. There's Everybody's talking about trading up and trading down, right? Uh, from 54. I think there's actually only one player that's trade up worthy at the top of the second round. And that's just because of his 
stock that's a little bit falling. That's AJ Epinesa, the edge rusher out of Iowa. I think that's the kind of value, first round value that Bean might want to jump at. But once you get to 54, I feel like it's kind of Terrell Lewis and then a drop off. And even Lewis is a little bit of a question mark. And you have to wonder how high Brandon Bean has his rank because of the injury history. Correct. That's a, you know, the medical question on Lewis is something we just don't know. Uh, you know, how much of a medical question do they have on him? Um, and he is, I mean, you know, I mean, let's face it, it there's going to be some questions on anybody you take at 54 at edge rusher. <laughs> um, that there's not, and this isn't a year of perfect prospects at edge rusher, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so uh, I, I think, a, you know, an interesting question is how bad do they need an edge rusher? Um, I, they have nine veterans on the roster. They're keeping nine. I'm fine with their nine. I, don't, I, I think they have a good defensive line right now, today. Without I think it's drafting. better than last year. I agree. They're certainly not taking a defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way they're taking – even in the sixth – I mean, there's no way they're taking a defensive tackle. Even I, if you uh, don't think Harrison Phillips it won't <laughs> be ready until halfway through the year, you still don't. The depth there is – He got hurt crazy. early in the year. I'm not, right. I'm not really – <laughs> that worried about that and uh you know i mean uh, oliver and star and uh butler and phillips i mean that's four right there you're only keeping four defensive tackles you're not keeping five right and they got five defensive ends um now that being said so they don't uh this is a you know this is where we talk about bean has put himself in a uh, flexible situation he doesn't he could go through this whole draft and not take one edge rusher and come out there Saturday night and say well you know we got we got a good lineup and they mm -hmm. do right however you know Addison is going to be 33 when the season starts Jerry Hughes is going to be 32 and Trent Murphy's in the final year of his contract so you got over start, 30 and you got to start looking you you can start drafting with an eye toward at receiver cornerback edge rusher uh, you'd like to get a guy in the second round who can be a starter. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't uh, be a, a be a starter relatively soon. So there is the argument for drafting an edge rusher. Now, even though you don't really need him this year. So you, you mentioned a guy that could be a starter, and I think two positions where that's kind of in play. Uh, one position for sure, and that's safety. I think one of the top three safeties will be there, if not two. And it's an interesting question because we spent so much time talking about Jeremy Chin uh, and Kyle Duggar. What are your thoughts on Ashton Davis, who is a little bit of a, a, a better athlete, I would say, uh, maybe not the physical presence of those two guys, has some versatility, can play some corner. Uh, and a lot of people have him ranked ahead of both of those other safeties. What are your thoughts on him? Well, before we get to that, what do you mean starter at safety? Where, where do they have a starting spot at safety? I meant uh, the big nickel role. Okay, well, the potentially... big nickel played about 2 to 3% last year. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing the Jets, they're playing four wides. Right. Or they're playing three receivers with a tight end split out. Taron Johnson is playing. Taron so Johnson is playing 50 out of 64 snaps against the Jets. Right. So uh, and, and they're not playing a big nickel against the Jets. If you're playing the Rams, the Rams are playing three true wides with a flex tight end. The true nickel is playing 50 out of 65 snaps against against the Rams. Now, granted, 
there are games. You know, ball. you play like we think of the Ravens game and the Eagles game. Somebody like Duger, maybe he could have helped a lot in mm-hmm. that, you know, if he's, you know, a good, if he's good and pans out. So, um, uh, but like the, they've re-signed Poyer. You got to, Hyde's got to, you got to believe they're going to re-sign Hyde. I mean, they love Hyde and Hyde right. is everything that a mm-hmm. bill should be, right? He's mm-hmm. a, so those two guys are starting. They're not going anywhere for the next two to three years, mm-hmm. two years anyway. Um, uh, so I view Duger as uh, here. Now here's a hole back up to Matt Milani. Right. That's what That's I was going to transition to. Mm-hmm. That's a hole. So I see Duger could potentially flex to that position. Do you think um, he's ready he for could be, that role now though? Like if he got thrown in right now at this level, the jump year yeah, one. Well, there's a, I, even as a rookie at any position, you know, right. or, or I, you know, is he going to be ready to play? key third downs in the second half in Kansas city. If they're down seven in the fourth quarter, you want, is he going to be, is you're going to throw a rookie in there or are you going to throw Josh Norman in who knows the scheme ups inside and out right? uh, or whatever, you know? So that's a whole nother question. So this whole uh, big nickel question is a really interesting question. Do they, you could see, uh, games where in situations where, yeah, this could be a real new uh, chess piece for Leslie Frazier, but there is no path, clear path to a starting lineup for him in the right. next two to three years. Right. So are you good enough? I mean, unless you're not signing Milano, unless you view that as a problem, which I don't see, I think they're going to sign Milano, resign, right? Would you agree with that? I would. But I just – my hesitation there is then you have potentially close to 30, maybe more invested in the, in the linebacker position with him and Tremaine once that contract comes up. Because Tremaine's – I mean, right now Milano's probably going to get around 12, 13 million. Tremaine's going to get – Okay. I don't care about it. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Okay. But, uh, okay. Were, okay. Maybe. But okay. It doesn't so. bother me necessarily. It's, I think it's a question of – how important is it, and can you find, how can you find a replacement? So I think it's find a replacement. important. You know, right. two mobile linebackers. If you don't have two really good coverage linebackers, you are dead in today's game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you could make, you know, again, uh, if you envision. Now that's a projection too. That see, I like uh, Duger as a backup to Milano. Um, you know, but is he going to be like, let's say Milano were to get hurt for eight games, mm-hmm. you know, when will Duger be ready to step into that role? You know, I don't know. Not, uh, might be uh, pushing it uh, this year as a rookie. So uh, again, that is all part of the, are they loaded enough? Is this team loaded enough to draft a big nickel as their second round pick? Knowing that a big nickel good case scenario is playing 15% of the snaps right in a season important 15% and maybe in some games against the Ravens with Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson and those two and their tight end package he's playing a lot more okay but so that's a real now let's now let me answer your question Ashton Davis I see him as a free safety you know a deep third a deep uh deep middle 
free safety. I mean, you no know, need for it. Tight. I don't see that. I, don't, right. I mean, yes, he's a good player. I like him, you know, but you're going to have to get him at 54. They're not doing that. I mean, Hyde is, uh, you know, Hyde is gold. Mm-hmm. I, I love Hyde. Hyde is so, you know, that, uh, w- this team, this defense is all built about not letting up cheap, deep scores. They're, mm-hmm. They've been the best in the NFL at it three years in a row mm-hmm. or for the, the past three years combined. Number one in the league, this defense. They're not given – that's their bedrock. That's the bedrock. Hyde is money. <laughs> okay, so now that we have that cleared up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't think it's totally cleared up. They still – I'm not discounting Duger. Right. You know, but, but it but, depends who's there. But you there. make a good point because for 15% of the snaps, is it worth that kind of asset? It depends who's there. You know, it's also right. all about value on the board. And uh, it's about value and who's there at 54. Um, One guy that could take- be there I want to ask you about is the all of a sudden free fall in draft stock of Trevon Diggs, who actually pro football focus comps him to Josh Norman, which makes it, you know, makes it interesting to bring in a guy that maybe can learn from a guy that if, it, if he is past his prime and he doesn't have anything left, he can at least teach the guy that's going to replace him. Now, I every all my research, I don't think he's going to be there at fifty four. But in a in a case where he is, is that the kind of value at fifty four? A potential, you know, maybe not a starter, but a, a year one contributor. Uh, you know that I'm. I, I think I've seen Kuiper maybe had him lasting that long. Somebody, uh, mm-hmm. whether it was Kuiper yep. or uh, McShay, one of them had him lasting that long. I mean, again, who? Um, but yeah, now there's a scenario where there is, you're drafting a guy at 54 and he has the talent to be a starter. And now you're drafting a guy, a cornerback who could be a starter. who, who, you know, you're filling a whole, a, a big need there. I mean, not a big need. You're again, they don't, uh, they don't have to take cornerback, but that, that, now you're getting a guy where there's a path to the starting lineup for him. Mm-hmm. Norman's on a one-year deal. Levi Wallace, they like a lot. But Diggs is a significant athleticism upgrade on Levi. Mm-hmm. Um, now you put those two corners out there two years from now, Diggs, Trey White. Yeah, you got a slack corner. Man, that's pretty. That's a pretty good corner. So you could make a great case if a corner that if a if a really good corner falls, you can make a great case for that at fifty four. Okay, let's move to wide receiver before we get out of here because you brought up a couple points, and there's a couple guys that first-round talents, I think, that you know, I'm still hesitant to believe that both of them will be there at 54, but LaVisca Chenault and T. Higgins, I mean, we're two months removed from people talking about them in the top 20, both of those guys. And so you mentioned the value there. Those are the kind of value, but also – at the same time, the value's there, but the questions are there, like we talked about, like, you know, LaVisca Chenault's injury kind of history. I think that his passion and his love of the game type of deal will supersede that right. in the building. But where are, you, where, are you, where are you landing on that? Who do you, who I, do you think at 54 is, the, is, is like, wow, that's, that's the play? I like the I, – I like receiver at 54. Um, you know, again – depending on the board, depending on who's there. Uh, but I, I, I like that because 
I think that's a uh, chess piece that can be put into play this year to make this offense more dynamic. And they have, you know, I, they've done, they've helped the offense a huge, you know, made a, but I still think this offense could use more help mm-hmm. um, even beyond the giant addition they've made with Diggs. So I like the idea of another receiver who can plug in there. And another reason for this is John Brown, you know, guy could replace John Brown mm-hmm. a year from now or two, you know, two years, who knows, whenever, but it, it's, uh, um, and, and what if John Brown or Stefan Diggs sprains their ankle for four weeks, you know, um, having a guy who can, you know, plug right in there. So I like, you know, I love both of those guys. And I like Michael Pittman too at 54. Mm-hmm. I think Pittman, you know, one issue with all these receivers, big receivers, uh, separation is the question, right? right. You no. Know? So, um, and there's a bunch of them, big receivers who have real separation questions. Uh, but Michael Pittman, I don't think does. Michael Pittman is, has polish, has, is a, uh, an accuracy eraser, has a giant, uh, uh, catch radius, uh, it has some polish to his roots, uh, and, uh, gets off the line better than a lot of big receivers. So I like him. I like Higgins. I like Chanel. I go, I'm, I'm down for any of them. All right. And lastly, uh, so I'm working on a trade down scenario and I think one of them that makes sense is Seattle, uh, is about four or five picks below the bills and they have a needed edge rusher. I mean, they're saying goodbye to Quentin Jefferson, who's with the Bills now. Very questionable about what's going to happen with Jadavian Clowney. And so if they're not able to address that in the first round, that's a situation where the drop-off still, if they don't get uh, an Aquara out of Notre Dame or um, – You mean if Seattle doesn't get him. If Seattle doesn't, right. or an Uche out of Michigan, there's a significant drop-off once you get to that next level, where I, I don't think you can even consider it until the top of the fourth round. So with that in mind, if you can add another top nine or top 100 pick, I think it's 101, to move down six spots and still have a chance at one of those receivers or some of these other guys that are in play, I think that becomes a scenario where I think that's more likely than a trade-up scenario. I love it. I like that. I like that. I like that thinking. <laughs> um, so, uh, right, I, I think that is – I, you know, I mean, given Bean's history, the history suggests he's going to move somewhere. You know, maybe not. I don't see them making a huge, you know, giving up draft capital. Certainly not giving up future draft capital. Right. Um, you know, there's no way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, you could definitely see, you know, we keep talking 54 and 86 and, you know, but they're not, might not be picking there. There could be 40. 47 and 50 you said moving down six spots that's easily uh but i don't it all depends on who's on the board and like you were saying off air there there's going to be some guys who fans uh there's going to be a run of guys who bills fans love who aren't going to be there and then there's going to be guys who are going to be there and as the question is uh are the handful of guys who get pushed down are those people who bean loves and and you know, as Bean has said, you, we sat in on a meeting with Bean in the offseason, and, uh, um, you know, they're, uh, they're sticking to their board. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a guy sticking out, uh, they're going to take him, regardless of the position. That's why you mentioned cornerback. You know, I don't know that's need, but if there's a guy sticking out there, like Diggs, 
I see them going there and not worrying about it. Um, uh, you know, is there going to be an edge rusher sticking out at 54 who is clearly above everybody else? Right. Not unless it's Epinesa. Mm -hmm. Which would then be, you have to start asking yourself, why is he there at 54? Well, yeah, I mean, all, if he's there, it's probably it's because people view him as a – if he falls, and he, he's not I, – I, I don't see that. I could see him falling to 35, right. 38, 41, but that's probably as far as he's going to fall. But the, the thing with him is he's a tweener, you know, not, you know, not a burst guy. Right. He's not a bender. Uh, you, you know, he's not a NASCAR bender. Now he's an effect highly. I like, you know, you got to love, like him. He's an Iowa guy. He's highly effective, productive player. He's not, he's, he's got a high floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if he does fall, you know, into the, into the, the second round or wherever 40, number 40, let's say it's going to be just because he's kind of a tweener. And teams see him better and third and nine rushing from a defensive tackle position, which the Bills don't need. They got all kinds of people to rush from inside. Right. All right. That'll do it. Thank you so okay. much, Mark, uh, for joining me. Uh, you could find him, all of his work on Twitter at GG Gone. Uh, definitely look him up. Uh, he, he covers the Bills, does a lot of analytical work for the Buffalo News. How long have you been covering this team now? Uh, I've been at the Buffalo News 36 years, so the better part of 30 years. Long That's time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank All you right, so man. much, my friend. I appreciate thank it. Thank you for helping to let me join.